Hey, Father Dave. There he is, Rich Costa. This wasn't a good idea. You, this is all you. I, everybody, you need to know something. I know I said this last week, but I have to reiterate this. That he is the one who pushed me to do this podcast. And yet, he's never available to do the podcast. So yesterday, I, I, it's, it's now Monday morning, a little after 6 a.m., and I sent a text to Father Dave yesterday. We were trying to find time to do this. I have to go to, I'm happy to go to my son's graduation, so I'll be going to California later this week. So we, we had limited time to do it, so I sent him a bunch of times, and the one he chose was <laughs> 6 a.m. And this isn't good for anybody. It's not good for me. It's not good for the people listening. No, well, but let me tell you this, though. Guys, it, it was either 6 a.m. or 10 p.m., and I would be falling asleep doing this. Cognitively, this is as sharp as I'm going to get, and that's usually not that sharp. Yeah, you do bring a lot of energy. In, in the, the morning. morning. In the morning, yeah. But by about 10 o'clock at night, you'd catch me in between snores. Yeah, so we, we, we ask for your forgiveness ahead of time, because who knows what this is going to sound like to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, did you see the Kentucky Derby... Um, has like a drug problem now. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. I was, Are you I serious? Was, I was, I was, uh, I got a phone call last night to do last rites. Uh -huh. So I'm driving, it's raining. And, uh, I turned on WFAN, mm -hmm. old man radio. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm listening to it and I hear there's a drug issue. I said, what? Yeah. <laughs> and oh, then I was trying on. to figure out, I always get confused when they talk about like horse racing. Yeah. Are they talking about like the drug use for the jockey or the horse or the horse? Yeah. I can't get so confused. Yeah, no, it's the horse. <laughs> you bet you like the horse has like a dealer and he's. <laughs> it's like something out of a Looney Tunes. Oh my gosh! You know, I used to work the Kentucky Derby. I used to work horse racing. The company I worked for, we ran the the uh, concessions for the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. Oh wow! So I used to go down and do all those. It was fascinating. It really was, because really? these horses are magnificent. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Oh, they're, they're really amazing animals. The, um, the people around them that I would hear talking, <laughs> and they, I, I never understood. And, and if you're from, if you like horse racing, I'll, I'll apologize to you ahead of time. But they're talking about, oh, this horse has heart, and this horse has... And I'm thinking, wait a minute, if you were whipping me, I'd run fast, too. <laughs> right, that's what... I know. I, I never understood it out of all the times that I've listened to that yeah. In particular segment that uh, that was always that they were always on talk radio. I'm like, I don't get it. We have listeners all over the country. I don't think we have listeners in Kentucky. And <laughs> if we did, they're gone now. But you can it's we? It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful racetrack. Oh my is gosh, it? Churchill Downs. That that yeah. was actually worth going to. I enjoyed that. It's absolutely beautiful. You know, everybody. This needs to be mentioned. Is that you know Costa talks about his past. Mm -hmm. He talks about how he had connections in the Mets front office. I never he talks said about, that. He talks about how he would be at this game doing this. He knew this guy. He had connections here. None now he's true. talking about connections for horse racing. You think we would see any of these kind of connections played out here now in this relationship? Never. Never. Um, I, I, I will say this about... He what... met the president in 76. I don't know. Yeah, no, that didn't happen either. So <laughs> he was a part of NASA. <laughs> <laughs> the um, it's funny you you mention that because you you see on TV the um, the pageantry of the Derby and, and the people spending <laughs> unfathomable money on hats, <laughs> and that's all true. That's there. But I worked in the infield, 
And Ian Field was like, if you can conjure up in your head the worst aspects of what you think Woodstock was like, that was, <laughs> that's where I was. This debauchery going on with trying to sell them mint juleps so they can debaucher themselves more. It wasn't what you saw on TV. That happened, but we were in a separate section. <laughs> the camera never panned over there, huh? Well, no, they had these high, you know, the, the high, the, the blimp shots. So oh, it looked yeah. pretty. It wasn't. Not up close. You, you. <laughs> hey, by the way, maybe that's only because this is probably the sharpest I am in the course of the day. Go for it. We have new water fountains now? They're nice, right? When did they get installed? I don't know, but they're there. And I actually brought my, my cool mug that I could keep filled up for the yeah, day. They even it's have the a kind pick. where it has a counter and it tells you how much water and how much of the planet you're saving. <laughs> yeah. I think a Ladado C every time I fill up. <laughs> I mean, I, I walked past it. I said, oh, that's different. Yeah. Oh, it lights up now. This is not the one where you have to like turn the spigot. And nothing comes out, and you got your mouth on the metal, <laughs> and you don't know what mouth was on it before that. <laughs> Those weren't a good idea before COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't even know that we had like water fountains that were actually functional. And yeah. then I walked past it. I was like, "What's that blue light?" Well, I think they worked for years, and then they turned them off, thankfully, for you know when the pandemic started. But now we have these; they're really nice. Yeah. Mm. So I'm sure everybody's fascinated by this conversation. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> like we updated. <laughs> so um, this is the week that we celebrate uh, Ascension Thursday. And one of the things I learned in kind of prepping for this podcast before, and, and people are saying, wait, they prep for this? <laughs> 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 we really do. It just I know it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> See, I, you know, I grew up in New York. You grew up in New York. It's Ascension Thursday. But yeah. in most of the United States, it's not. No. It's like Thursday. Yeah. Was, you know, it's the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, this particular year, it's at least the Fatima. So it's in, if you are in um, Boston, Hartford, New York, Newark, Omaha, or Philadelphia, it's Ascension Thursday. The rest of the country, it's Thursday. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. My parents, now that they're down in Oklahoma, my mother had said, Dave. <laughs> Ascension Thursday is not Ascension Thursday here. They said, oh, mom, you're in the sticks now. <laughs> Did she feel it wasn't Catholic? Uh, she was shocked. Yeah. She's getting shocked by a lot of things out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard for New Yorkers to leave. <laughs> but the church does give us some, some interesting readings and, and, and interesting thoughts. We just wanted to share with you this morning some of those um, you know, things to ponder um, uh, about the day. One of the things that, it's funny, we didn't talk, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but we both found um, kind of humorous, but also telling, is in, um, in Matthew's gospel during the ascension, uh, or for the ascension, it's, um, there is a, two angels appear. The disciples, Jesus goes up and ascends into heaven, and there's two, <laughs> these two angels, and I said, well, why are you looking up to the heavens? Can't you, can't you picture the frustration of those poor apostles at that point? They've been following this guy for three years. He's brutally murdered. He comes back three days later. They're trying to figure out what does this mean? You know, is he there? Is he not there? We have this you know, story of Thomas who's, who's doubting him. And, and they're just settling into, okay, Jesus is back. I don't quite know what it means, but he's back. And then he goes away again, and these guys said, well, why are you looking up there? <laughs> I feel like I'd want to hit him. <laughs> you probably shouldn't hit angels. I, 
I can only imagine. Like, I, I would like to believe that Peter didn't change overnight. So oh, like, I think you're right. <laughs> when, like, uh, when the look, when he just he must like just looked over and go, "Really, dude? <laughs> like, really?" It's a little insensitive. Too soon. <laughs> but the thing I love about, <clears throat> particularly with with Matthew's gospel regarding the ascension, um, is that. There is uh, a promise, I mean, there is a command and then a promise that the Lord gives before he ascends into heaven. And the command, the final command before he ascends is to baptize all the nations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, but then he says, "And I will, but I will be with you to the end of the age. So he gives a command and a promise as really his last words before he ascends to the Father. And I guess, you know, how I like to break this down is you know, not everybody is a priest or a deacon. So what does it mean, really, to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Um, now, for those of you who, uh, you know, I, I usually like to read this gospel passage when I do, uh, when I perform a baptism, and uh, you know, I'll I'll really kind of truncate this story, but uh, the way I kind of understand this, you know, baptizing, you know, for the for the everyday Christian, for for you and I, outside of actually performing the sacrament of baptism, is there was a particular time in my life when I was like 18 years old, um, where I had been so fed up for a few years now for with listening to my father's mm -hmm. <laughs> my parents regard you know regarding the faith and the preaching of it and i was just so fed up with it and it actually started to turn into like anger and resentment mm -hmm. <clears throat> and i kind of just gave the glazed over look like oh yeah no i'm listening to everything it's the saying. age when teenagers know far more about life than their parents yeah it's am it's amazing yeah yeah, yeah i think amazing. most of us go through it it was amazing how far how smart my parents got when i got when i turned to 20 is it yeah they must have like read a book or something <laughs> yeah. but uh you know, once once I had graduated high school, kind of like a rite of passage, so to speak. Uh, you know, my father would kind of then start to share some of the the struggles, you know, just financially because mm -hmm. we were working together on the truck, and just talk about you know at times never getting too deep into it, but just talking about the struggle that it was on him to to put food on the table and pay you know and make sure the payment for the mortgage was there. Um, you know, we never really. Had he never really, him and mom never really talked about sure. or discussed that. Mm -hmm. They really wanted us to retain our kind of childhood with that because uh, they knew that. And you had younger brothers and sisters. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the, you know, the other seven of us, you know, the, mm -hmm. they wanted to kind of retain that. Um, uh, you know, so kind of dealing with that. And then, um, and then there was a particular time where there was an outside company that was going to. Uh, where there was the uh, rumor that there was an outside company that was going to buy out. The mm -hmm. Entenmann's uh, company, and all of the guys who had their own particular routes, like my father, um, there was the opportunity, there was the possibility that they would not get reimbursed for the routes that they had bought. That they had bought, wow. So like my father's whole life savings was in that, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and so that was a rumor that was kind of circulating at the time. And around the same time, uh, there was, uh, you know, we had gone down to Florida because one of the things that my parents wanted to do was always kind of do like at least once a year, look forward to a family vacation. Sure. And we always had the motorhome, uh, the camper, uh, which had turned out to be like the family vehicle at one uh -huh. point. 
and uh, we had gone down to Florida to see my father's uh, buddy, and we were coming up, and they had uh, he had swapped out a motorhome while he was down there at a mm-hmm. dealership, and it was a better deal. And the warranty company said that you know motor motor and transmission were were kind of you know under warranty. We get onto the Jersey Turnpike coming home, and the transmission seizes up. Oh I, God! I go into the motorhome with my father, and the, and the thing. The transmission was cherry red. Oh, cherry red. Oh, are you all there now? We were all there. Oh my lord! Yeah, we were all there, and so like it, we, they had to tow it onto the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and my uncle had to come and pick me up because I had to go to work the next day and stuff like that. And uh, so the, he's looking at like a a monster job. Mm-hmm. And the warranty kind con- company kind of backed out mm-hmm. for a while, so that there was this hassle back and forth. You know, so my father's looking at like a at, at like a you know. 40 foot piece of scrap metal sure if the warranty company doesn't come through the pressure with the with that rumor and the pressure of the mortgage and at that time i was really i was really resentful towards him and i really wanted to point my finger at him and say you're a hypocrite if he would have just kind of let anger get the best of him with regards to the faith because he had always preached but now i know what he's struggling with I know some of the pressures of sure. his life. And so I was just hawking him. He had no idea. I just told him this a couple of years you ago. You were trying to push the buttons? <clears throat> no. Because you wanted to see him crack or no? No, I wanted to. I mean, this is this is sad. I wanted to see him crack as, as, as a man and father. Yeah. So that I could point the finger and say, you know, all of this time you've been preaching to me. Right. And uh, and, and kind of the faith is bogus? Is yeah. that what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. and I had an excuse Hocus to kind pocus of, type yeah, of thing. I had an excuse to kind of do what I wanted when I wanted to do it sure. kind of thing. And uh, I just remember that uh, for about six months to a year, I really hawked them. I mm-hmm. was really watching every action and move. And uh, there was one particular moment where we were, um, where we we woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I particularly, this one particular morning, I woke up before him, I thought, and uh, to get to the bathroom, just to splash some water on my face, uh, to wake up, uh, the bedroom, his bedroom was adjacent to the, uh, to the ba- bathroom. And I just saw him on his, on his uh, knees at his bedside. Mm-hmm. And he put his face in his hands and he was praying. Uh, and that for me, uh, that for me, he never spoke a word. Mm-hmm. I never knew what he prayed about. But I knew that he was asking the Lord right there for help through the day. And that for me was the first moment where he preached to me, where I heard it. It's like it's the first moment I really owned being a Christian. Sure, you know what I mean? and it's really interesting because the the witness that he was providing at that moment was surrender. Yeah, complete surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and such the opposite. And we've talked about surrender before, but yeah. such the opposite, almost what's in our our DNA to do. Yeah, we go out and conquer. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, at the end of the day. Um, the he always made the mortgage payment mm-hmm. no matter how difficult yeah. it was at times uh the that company that ended up buying out entomans uh ended up probably giving the guys more money and reimbursed them for nice. everything mm-hmm. and, and then the warranty was covered and they ended up getting a better motorhome yeah you know um and uh, just watching my father's faith at that time mm-hmm. was very important for me at like 18 19 20 years old sure sure um, so that's that's how I kind of understand the command to preach by our words and our actions, you know. Absolutely, and I, I, it's it's a really interesting opportunity for for all of us to do that because one of the 
things that St. John Paul II said regarding the ascension is we are indeed bound for heaven, and the ascension reminds us that our gaze is fixed on Christ in glory, even as we labor tirelessly for him at this present age. Yeah. So it really almost describes that those, those apostles looking up, yeah. they're looking up at heaven, but also all looking around. And, and really, and then the, the uh, Pope John Paul II um, reminds us, that's kind of what we do every day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, it made me think, though, um, about the knowns, the N-O-N-E-S, mm-hmm. right? Over 50% of young people in the United States. You want to just explain that for everybody? Sure. It's this interesting dynamic that's happening as we become more secular in, in our country, probably following other countries, where over 50% of, I'm not sure if it's young Americans or Americans, uh, don't really believe in a higher power. It's sometimes you hear these things where it's spiritual. You know, I saw this distressingly. I was doing, um, as you probably have understood through, if you listen to these, I have college-age children and done a lot of college tours, and we were on the campus of a, of a Catholic college, and the guide going by passed the chapel and said, there's a chapel, this is where some people go to church, but you don't really have to go there. And he was presenting it as if that would be a burden. Right. You know, don't right, feel yeah, you, yeah. if you come to this college, you have to practice. Right. And that's understood. But, right, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's usually not put out there as a carrot. <laughs> well, it, it sh- maybe it is usually put out there as a carrot. It shouldn't be put out there as a carrot, because the gifts that we receive from it are, are, are so infathomable that, that why wouldn't you? So this, um, this idea of the, um, the, the knowns, those who don't believe in uh, a higher power, is, is distressing because for those of us who are in the faith— and we're looking around trying to find Jesus here on earth and looking up in heaven, that's hard enough, you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it's striking that some won't even be looking, you know? Yeah. So when we're talking about going out and, and baptizing, that, that's even a, um, a greater burden, you yeah. know, uh, oh, yeah. to, to draw them in. And, and you and I, and, and, uh, in, in our roles here in, in the school and campus ministry, have talked about that a lot. Not, not so much using that term, that term known, but... but um, this this real um, intention to present the faith with attraction, yeah, you know, um, which then is what happens ten days later at Pentecost. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're uh-huh. they're kind of they're on fire with this as they tried to sort things out. And I was watching a a, a short video uh, that uh, Cardinal Dolan, he's the uh, Cardinal of, of New York, and he was uh, talking about what did they do after this? They went and prayed. Yeah, you know, when we don't know what to do, the best thing to do is, is pray. pray. And they come out the other end on, on Pentecost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and also that, that shows us the juxtaposition of the Christian life, because that's so joyous, right? I, it's, it's almost like that moment they finally get it. Yeah. You know? And oh, I yeah. say finally, because I, I have said this many times, I'm sure I would not be getting it if <laughs> I was them. So I'm not trying to diminish them and put them down. Uh, but, you know, it's taken a while. Um, so there's joy there, and they're, they're going to go out and preach. And for for all but one of them, it ends in their death. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then <clears throat> I think that kind of leads into the the second thing that our Lord kind of, um, you know, uh, had told the uh, apostles right before he ascends into heaven, is that I will be with you to the end of the age. Um, and, you know, for us as Catholics, that presence is found in the Eucharist. <clears throat> and so receiving the Eucharist gathers us together um, 
in you know the community together in prayer and it is a very very much a vertical experience a mm-hmm. transcendent experience where we're experienced the the ascension uh whether or not like we've said in the past the homily is good or it's understandable or mm-hmm. you know or you know so and so is giving me the stink eye you know <laughs> two rows back and you're referring to me <laughs> but that, well possibly um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but that just being at the mass and allowing ourselves to be in the presence of our Lord and then to receive him is, is to really live out that promise is we're putting ourselves in his presence and he's filling us with his presence, which gives our soul the opportunity as John Paul II was saying to gaze heavenward instead of really looking at everything on a horizontal plane here that, you know, uh, in the sense that, you know, I got to live for the moment now. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And our lives stay very horizontal. Yeah. It's now called to be, you know, very transcendent and vertical. Like my actions have, they're led to a goal and that is heaven. And it, it needs to be both of those. Thomas Merton once said something, I'm paraphrasing something to the effect of, um, if we're, if we're all, if all we're doing is staring up to heaven, looking for God, we first of all right. don't do that because we're not going to get there until the next life. Like, right. We're not, not going to get there now, and we'd be missing him here. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that I'm, I'm glad you bring up that vertical relationship because it reminds me of it reminds me of something that I didn't experience, and that was what you did Friday night. So we, um, Father Dave and I, were both at adorations this pre- this past Friday night with with students. We had like competing adorations going. <laughs> he's he's texting me. <laughs> this is during true. adoration. Well, it wasn't well, during right but before. Maybe it was during yours. It wasn't right, during mine. Right before, saying, "My Jesus is better than your, your Jesus." Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, um, we had, you know, we had students at both. The one, the one that I was at were students who normally come, um, which is, to me, kind of the coolest thing, because I'm not doing that in high school. I'm not, I'm not going adoration for no other reason that no one was inviting me. I went to public school, whatever. Uh, but we had students going. A- at yours, there were students who I was shocked signed up. Yeah. And I was talking yeah, to somebody nice. yesterday that were kind of telling me about the event. I said, was this particular student there? And she said, yeah, they were. So, so what drew them? And I'm, I'm reading a book by um, Father um, Ronald Rollheiser, and he says we all have this this need for spirituality, and if it's not filled by one thing, it's going to be filled by another. Mm. And you talk about that vertical, transcendent relationship. I think that's what. Uh, again, I wasn't with you Friday night, but kind of feeling that that student and the others who were with you um, might have experienced. You know that yeah. that that indescribable, inexplainable, unprovable reality of of the um, of, of the soul being filled up. You know during adoration. You when yeah. you're talking about communion, it just reminded me of that. Yeah, and, you know, and and for doing stuff with with teenagers on mm-hmm. all levels. You know, from sixth grade to mm-hmm. you know high school and young adult, um, until that becomes the level of maturity where. You know, one can sit in the chapel for a few minutes by themselves in adoration. Uh, yeah, I believe it has to be packaged right. Mm-hmm. It, oh, absolutely. I, you know, so so on Friday night we did. Uh, there was a l- lot of games for about an hour, mm-hmm. outdoor games. Um, you know, who was playing this game or that game? Uh, and it was about there had to be about seventy five, eighty kids there, uh, all different ages. And then 
and then after that, we had adoration, and uh, at the church we had attended, it was the the music was beautiful, beautiful. Uh, like even if you weren't comfortable as a kid mm-hmm. sitting in the church, you could at least listen to unbelievably beautiful praise yeah. and worship music. Good. And then there was Chick Fil A afterwards, you know, and a bonfire. Yeah, that, that's I, I heard good things about the Chick Fil A. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, you still haven't brought me Chick-fil-A. I've never had Chick-fil-A before. And a few times you've had the opportunity really? to bring it. I've never had it. When we in Indianapolis that's last your, year. That's a you problem. That's not a me no, problem. No, it's kind of a you problem because you've been there many times and have not brought it to me. <laughs> I'm just saying it publicly now so you could By the way, shame him. let's just derail for a second. That's, that's can we, we figure out what a young, can we paint a picture of what a young high school Rich Costa was like? Oh, God. Like were you? Were <laughs> you don't you want a, to paint that picture. Trust you, me. Were you a hippie? Like, did you have long hair? Well, it was the '80s. It was longer than than it is now. But it's uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a pleasant time. <laughs> they say high school is the best four years of your life. That's what they say. I'm not sure anybody really yeah, believes that. It wasn't the that. best four years of mine. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> yeah, so we don't we don't want to go there. Just wasn't fun. <laughs> but I still haven't had Chick Fil A. Maybe one of these years. If um well now let's get back to a more serious note. Uh-huh. Um as we uh just want to kind of touch on the on Pentecost, Pentecost. as you were sure, doing, sure. uh before that because um you know because your schedule you know you're probably I don't know meeting uh, <laughs> you're meeting the pope next week so we won't be able to 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 do Pentecost. Yes, I have a meeting with Pope Francis. <laughs> I'll tell him you said hi. No, thanks. If we're going down that road, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but I think probably the most important, at least for me, at, at, at this point in my life, when I, when I think about Pentecost, is, um, is in the Acts of the Apostles, when we read that in that first reading, when we come across who was in the upper room, I think the most important figure there is the blessed mother Mm. i think saint luke in his in in his uh in the acts of the apostles wants uh fellow christians to understand that the blessed mother being present in a way is spiritually birthing the the apostles that her presence there allows the holy spirit to flow and descend just as she the holy spirit overshadowed her and she conceived mm-hmm. our Lord through the Holy Spirit. So now through the Holy Spirit, she now births spiritually the apostles into this beautiful mission. Um, she's there. She's praying with them. Um, you know, in her presence, there's a silent leading. Yeah. You know? Well, they desired um, to be with her. Yes, and I, I'm sure that was a little bit of, of uh, the reason for that was to be like feel they were closer to him. But it's really amazing when you put yourself in a mother's. I never really thought about this till I'm, I'm kind of reflecting as you were saying it, uh, that she would like make herself present to them because I can't yeah. imagine what would be going on in her mind. Right. She whatever you know. I, I kind of gave that scenario earlier in the podcast about what perhaps the apostles' experience was, but. It had to be so much more for her, oh, and that she would yeah. make themselves present as as a sure. source of comfort. <clears throat> oh my lord! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think that I think just to 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 really connect the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, 
it, you and I are called to have the similar kind of experience in Pentecost from our our, our sacramental experience in receiving confirmation um, that the relationship that you and I have with the Blessed Mother, the deeper that that relationship grows, uh, I think you will pro more profoundly, you will profoundly see a, a different um, a, a difference in your spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and how the Holy Spirit is present in your life. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it certainly is a mysterious thing, and it doesn't happen overnight, but, but it does happen, and you find yourself saying, wait a minute, I'm, I'm slowly becoming or feel like I'm a different person. Yeah. You know, and they say it's, and I think it's true. You just, you know, uh, praying the rosary, um, it just, just praying to Mary. Yeah. Was yeah. that, was that a, when you were in the seminary, was there a lot of, of Marian devotion? There was. And but you grew up with it a little bit, right? I grew up mm -hmm. with it, yeah. Uh, I grew up with it in my home. Uh, we prayed the rosary uh, a lot. Um, but e even in the, uh, in the seminary, the, uh, we had all kind of, for the most part, many of us had done the, the devotion to the Blessed Mother, the consecration to her uh, from St. Louis de Montfort. Mm -hmm. um, and now f uh, Father Michael Calloway has kind of really done the same thing. With Joseph. With, with Joseph, what yeah. we talked about last week. Yeah. Uh, but he has one to the Blessed Mother as well. And uh, it's uh, it, a relationship with her you 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 experience the tenderness of the father. Mm -hmm. um, you feel that motherly love, uh, but also too she draws you in deeper to a relationship with. Uh, yeah, I have to tell you, I feel like I, I missed a lot of that, and I think on a previous podcast we spoke about um, my own uh, discernment and discovery um, of Mary relatively recently uh w with in terms of world youth day in in 2019 but it it, it almost feel like you missed out on something so it, it's a it's yeah. a, a beautiful way to come closer to god and that and now that i say those words it sounds like well yeah cost that's the most obvious statement like the church has known about this for about two thousand years and i'm discovering it <laughs> hey guys look <laughs> um but it really is beautiful one of the the things i think about with pentecost as we we start to wrap up here is the um the sense now it was on the on the apostles they always they were always the number two it was always following jesus doing what he said and he promised them that he was going to come back and he did and he promised them that they would do things far greater than he was doing in terms of yeah. miracles he gave them the ability to for, you know forgive sins um, but it's one thing to be prepped for that. It's another thing to actually do it, because now his physical presence wasn't there, and certainly the spiritual presence was and, mm -hmm. and still is for us, just like you were saying before in communion. But to have that that sense of of responsibility um, now, the, the this the I don't want to say the success or failure of the church would be on them because it, it's it's not. It's it's this is Jesus's church, you know, right. and and we're just trying not to mess it up too much. <laughs> But um, but still, that that sense that it's it's now on them. It's their responsibility. I don't know if you ever had that experience in your life, where it was now uh, where you had been kind of um, following along, and now you were called to lead. And I, I oh I, yeah, yeah. Within within the first couple of months of uh, <laughs> of being ordained, that's interesting. My <laughs> my my cousin sent me uh, an email. Uh, with a quote, I, I love him. He's great. Uh, he lives in New Jersey, 
and uh, he sent me a quote. He was congratulating me for, you know, for uh, getting ordained. And, and he said, hey, um, just want to send you this quote by Pope Benedict at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a quote that said, uh, there, there is a tremendous responsibility <laughs> for a priest to preach with, with great love and tenderness uh, and is a great responsibility uh, to prepare and, and be ready for preaching on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And then he just wrote at the end, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> That's very yeah. funny. I was like, thanks, buddy. Like, I already got an insecurity publicly speaking as it is. <laughs> is the expectation when you're newly ordained that you need to have the experience of a priest who's ordained 50 years? Is that almost an impl- Will people come and ask you questions? Um, well, that, that happened instantly. Yeah. Yeah, people, once they say, once your name has father or reverend in front mm-hmm. of it, some people, some people... Uh, just kind hit of you with everything, it. right? Yeah, and then you know, it, but it takes it, it, like everything else. It's a it's a learning curve. You, mm-hmm. you you're you're learning along the way, and you can't really beat yourself up too much because uh, every you know everything's kind of getting thrown at you. Right. You know, on on June fourteenth, two thousand fourteen. People wanted then to hear, quote unquote, my advice or, to, or, <laughs> or for me to listen to them. But two days before that, nobody cared. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's like, huh. Yep. But you know what? He gives you the grace. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that we could hope for uh, moving forward for all of us as we continue to lead by example um, and, and, and really take ownership uh, of this as best we can, that, that this spreading of the gospel really is on us. In the way we act, in the way we are um, there for others, in our disposition, that we may call people closer to God just yeah. by virtue of who we are. And I think that that really is on all of us. It is. Every baptized individual. Yeah. And to fail to do that is to fail to live out our commitment to Christ. And, and by doing that, we're leading to something greater, we're not, we're not right. saying, as that young man said in the college, well, you don't need to go there. No, we're inviting you to this grand party. You and, know? and honestly, that is the only legacy that should, we should be desired as Christians to want to leave behind. Mm-hmm. Anything else does not suffice. Right. The only legacy that we should desire people to want to know of us and, and to, to be left, uh, left behind when we, when we pass on is the legacy of how much we loved our Lord mm-hmm. uh, and others through him. Yep. That's beautifully said. Why don't we end it there? Guys, have a great day. We'll probably see you next year because Costa will probably have, he's probably booked on tour for something. Whenever it is, it's not going to be 6 a.m. again. <laughs> Take care. Bye, guys. If you would like to contact Father Dave or me, Please follow us on Facebook at Locusts and Wild Honey. We appreciate your comments on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please tell us what you think and share with your friends.